Hey, how you doing? Thor here, coach at thorholt.com, co-founder hazatcoffee.com and investor at bubblebog.com. Okay, so you are unemployed, you've been made redundant, or you are looking for a new role. Perhaps you haven't been made redundant, perhaps you're one of the lucky ones who are still in a role. Today's podcast is really for those who have been made redundant though, you know, and you feel kind of hopeless. It's a tough place to be. So I'll maybe I'll come through with an idea at the end of these uh, 15 tips, these 15 interview tips, an idea to start trying to gain some positive momentum and pull yourself out of that hopeless feeling that is completely legitimate. I understand why you feel that way. I was once unemployed myself many years ago, and that is one of the toughest places to be mentally. Okay, the 15 tips. Here we go. Interview tip one. Yeah, remember you are interviewing them as well. What are you asking them? We need to prepare accordingly. It has to be a two-way match. It's not just them getting to interview you. So you want to have a list of questions with you. And preferably in a handsome-looking, gorgeous-looking notebook of some kind. Something you can be proud to pull out and check your questions with. Not a phone. Because if you have a phone and you take it out and start looking at it for your questions, it looks kind of scuzzy, kind of rude, basically. Even at a subconscious level. So yeah, have your questions and have them in a decent-looking notebook. But remember, yeah, you are interviewing them too. Now, not in some aggressive interrogating style, of course, but you... You deserve to get a good match in terms of your employment. You are delivering value to them, so you want to be asking them questions too. Second interview tip, double your impact by telling positive transition stories. So it's about the links between roles as well as your in-role successes. And most people, I find, when they talk through their CV or through their career, they forget that. Most people forget to talk about why they were recruited into each role. That can be what I call a positivity bridge. And if you leave it as a blank, or even worse, if you talk about the negative reasons why you left one role instead of the positive the positive reasons why you gained the next role, that becomes what I call a transition swamp. It allows the, the listener, the interviewer, to feel pretty negative about you. So do not focus on the personal problems, the logistical issues or whatever that meant you were open to leaving roles. And yes, some people really do fall for this. I know you wouldn't. Instead, focus on the positive reasons you got hired. There is interview gold dust in these links between roles. Tip three. It's absolutely normal to be uncomfortable selling yourself at interview. It's a weird situation. You're not doing it all the time. So make it more comfortable with this simple process. What I want you to do is go through your CV on your own, obviously in a soundproof room, (laughs) and record yourself talking about A, why you were hired for each role. Okay, that was the positivity bridges I was just talking about in tip two. Why you were hired for each role and what challenges occurred in the role and how you dealt with them, especially C, with regard to results achieved and lessons learned. And finally, this is all out loud, by the way, because um, vocalizing things helps you think them through way more effectively than just reading something to yourself. So see why you were then recruited into the next role. 
So I'll say that again. Go through your CV, record yourself talking about why you were hired for each role, what challenges occurred in that role and how you dealt with them, noting especially results achieved and lessons learned. And the more specific you can be with the results, the better in terms of return on investment, for example, of your time there. Statistics, actual facts, project results achieved and lessons learned. And why you were then recruited into that next role. Okay, tip four. Know your differentiators, your USP, if you like, your unique selling proposition, but you need to let them feel your UEP. You know what the UEP is? That's the unique experience proposition. So that is what they, or their clients, the organization, the team you'll be working with, what they will have when you show up. So how do you do this? How do you give them this experience? Well, rather than trying to impress or overwhelm them with how awesome you are, it's a conversation after all. Ask real questions to which you'd like answers and really listen to their answers. And when you get tempted to interrupt, take a breath and wait and make sure they're finished. At a basic level, this this careful listening is pretty rare and it's going to differentiate you at a fundamental level and give them a good experience of you in the interview. There are other ways, by the way, to help them feel your UEP and it's about how you tell the stories and give the case studies uh, that you've that you've produced within your work environment before. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's a topic for a whole other tip. Tip five. Your interview isn't really about you, which sounds weird, but it's about them. Just the same as for you, it's about you. What am I on about? I'm talking about perspective. In this case, their perspective. So how can you get an idea of their perspective? Well, one way of doing this, if you know the name of the interviewers, and I know you don't always, but if you do, then you can research them. And no, it's not the same as stalking someone. Don't go around their house. Perhaps take a screenshot of their LinkedIn page using um, the privacy mode. Rather than visiting it multiple times, uh, you take the screenshot and that way you've got the information you need. So you might like to find out, firstly, what they post about, if they do, what they comment on, and know the roles they've been involved in. The people you know in common might be of interest. And especially you're looking for any voluntary roles or other areas of interest, like the people they follow. But this is all material, this is all material to hold in your head. And you allow it to organically filter into the conversation if it comes up. It's not information to state up front as a list of information you've gathered on them. That would indeed be considered stalker behavior. But always remember, their perspective matters too. They're thinking, is this going to be a good person to hand on to my team? Is this, if they're a recruiter, is this going to be someone who's going to be uh, going to fit in well and be perceived well when I hand them over? So think about their perspective. Interview tip six, laughter lubrication. Okay, play some of your favorite comedy, you know, on your phone with headphones for a few minutes pre-interview, whether it's an online interview or face-to-face, just play some comedy. And what this does is it gets you in a positive, engaging, freed up conversational mode. And it kind of, it's hard to be nervous when you're laughing your ass off, basically. Personally, my go-to would be some vintage Billy Connolly, but Obviously, remember, this is a pre-game nerve beater. This is not an interview strategy, so don't try actually telling the jokes unless it's a stand-up comedy audition. Interview tip seven. There's another one about your psychology. Play music that gets you in a motivated, energized place for a few minutes before the interview. Now, if you are on public transport, I would suggest headphones. Tip eight. Most people are terrible at listening. I know I've mentioned listening before in these tips, but it is that important. You can differentiate yourself by actually listening. Listening while giving, 
natural eye contact. Now, most people think they listen, but they're actually waiting to talk. So when you think you've listened enough, listen a little bit more. And part of this is about taking your time before you answer questions. Don't rush. Take a beat. Consider what they said while you listened. Tip nine. You can cut your interview nerves literally in half by noting that the person interviewing you almost certainly doesn't interview people regularly. So it's probably just as nerve-wracking for them as for you. I've had that conversation with people before who actually are interviewing people and often they are really nervous before the interview. Now why would that be? Why would the people interviewing? Surely that's a position of power you think. Well because if there's a mishire, if it screws up, it's them that's wasted the organization's time and money uh, and, and that is not a good place to be. So the responsibility of the mishire falls on them, not you. You just get to walk away and find another job. They're left with the fallout in their organization. So remember that. The person interviewing you is probably having an awkward an awkward day too. So feel a bit of empathy for them. And it's hard to be as nervous when you feel empathic for someone else. Tip 10. If it's a face-to-face interview, ask your partner or trusted friend to check your breath. Yes, really. And give them explicit permission to feedback honestly. This really matters. Bad breath can fill a room. Now, if your partner's left already, I guess it might have been your bad breath, conduct that... (laughs) I'm kidding, of course. Conduct the lick the back of the hand and sniff the result test. And if in doubt, you need to brush, floss, floss, mouthwash and mince on the way to the interview. But please, no chewing gum. Unless it's a lap dancer interview, in which case you possibly don't need the same interview tips I'm giving here. There's an old um, there's an old uh, story that says um, a husband or a wife would rather leave an anonymous note on the windscreen of your car to tell you you have bad breath than tell you face to face. It's one of those weird things where we feel so awkward about it. So the chances are, if you do have bad breath, nobody's told you. But you do not want that pervading the interview room. Tip 11. This is a big one. This should really, if, we, if these were in numerical order of importance, this would be the, one of the early ones. Tip 11 is prepare a presentation even if you haven't been asked to. You know, the my 120-day plan for maximum impact type of presentation. Now, you don't, you don't have to even offer to deliver it, but just having done the preparatory work to build this presentation will put your confidence through the roof. Because you are genuinely thinking through, what would I do? What would I have to find out? What would I have to deliver? What would I have to plan in that first 90 days, 120 days to deliver with impact in that new role? Uh, this, this is just an absolute killer tip. And I've had so many people who have aced interviews and been offered roles off, off the back of this. Interviewers love this one. Tip 12. What you do on your way into the interview room really matters. Now, People think I made this one up, but this guy, uh, this is a real this is a real story. I knew a business owner who it was actually a car garage. He used to lay a broom across the corridor outside the room he was interviewing in. He would then seat the candidate when they came in for the interview. Then he'd look out the door to check if they'd picked up the broom. And it was simple. If, he'd stepped, if they'd stepped over it, he would send them packing. He would just be like, listen, let's not waste our time here. You've got the wrong attitude for this role, for this company. Now, if they picked it up, that was a demonstration of a good attitude, so they had a strong chance. And there's a, there's kind of a, a version of this, a modern version of this, I guess. That was a garage back in the 90s. But 
you never know who's got whose ear and who influences who within an organization. So you need to be that most charming version of you and pick up the broom, as it were, to the car park guy, the receptionist, the coffee barista, you know, with a cheerful good morning in the nearby in the nearby barista, in the nearby coffee shop. And this has the double benefit of getting you in the right outgoing, engaging headspace for the interview. So even if the person interviewing you doesn't call down to reception to ask how you behaved on the way in, this attitude really matters. This pre-room attitude. And I guess for a Zoom call interview in the modern day and age, if you're not going face-to-face, the equivalent to the way in could actually be your recent social media posts. You know, if someone just, and I'm all for free expression, you know that, but if you've just been commenting wildly and with swear words on some recent news events on your Twitter feed or your LinkedIn feed, that is the equivalent of having a bad attitude on the way into the room, I'm afraid. That's just reality. I might not like it, but that is reality. Tip 13. Describe the learning, the results and the value you've created in your previous roles rather than just listing those job roles and responsibilities completed. Now, so many people think they're doing that, but they're not. They're literally just giving a list of what they've done in the job descriptions. So don't be afraid to tell short, punchy, value-demonstrating stories. There's no need for preamble either. You don't need to start giving your example announcing a story. You know, are you sitting comfortably now? I'm going to tell you a story. You don't, don't use the word story at all. Just give those examples, but tell them in a story manner. Uh, if you want to know how I build those stories with clients, give me a shout get in touch with me on LinkedIn. I will talk you through the template. Interview tip 14. This is a biggie. Much underutilized. It isn't bragging if someone else said it about you. So share what bosses, clients and co-workers have said about you, about the results you've delivered, about what it's like to work with you, about your work ethic, about your performance. Share it in the interview. So note down what you recall them saying at the time. Okay, and learn, learn those sentences off by heart. You can quote from old emails and text messages and WhatsApp. You could even be really proactive and ask those old colleagues, old clients to write you a testimonial if they haven't already. But do bear in mind, this is to be used subtly in the context of interview conversation and at appropriate points. I do not mean you present a list of testimonials at the opening of the interview. Although having a list of testimonials with you, not a bad idea. Pretty confidence inducing for yourself. And finally, interview tip 15. And uh, this one is less blah, 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 more big idea. And this one is really pivotal because so many people find it hard to express what the USP, the big idea is about them. But you need to leave them with a big idea. And often I help clients do this in an analogous way, with analogy. And we need to deploy this conversationally as if you just came up with it, not as if it's something you've pre-worked for hours. And it needs to explain what value you've delivered and so could deliver for them. And This is going to sound crazy when I give you the list, maybe, but examples I've used with clients to be succinct and memorable in interviews have included jigsaw puzzles. I actually had someone go to an interview with a jigsaw puzzle, Uh, a globe, as in a map, you know, a globe of the world, Uh, dogs, not taking dogs to interview, but using dogs analogously. It was a Belgian Malinois is one I've used, Labrador is another one. We're talking about agility and communication, air traffic control. Uh, That one was talking about cost control, actually, and bringing visibility to numbers. So the analogy was about building, and it was about how this person would come in, and it would be like a jungle airstrip, uh, which they would turn with with no air traffic control, that they would turn into a fully functioning airport with tarmac Adam runway and an air traffic control system that would give visibility to the flights in fog, would allow uh, planes to land, and the amount of traffic, equating to revenue in the business, to go up, 
considerably and to have visibility on the figures. I'm not using it very well because I didn't prep this, but you get the idea. Sea creatures, used, used an orca recently, a killer whale. And that was somebody making a point about communication and selling because the analogous the analogy was around how a pod of killer whales communicates with each other to hunt. So yeah, you get the idea, but these, this needs to be worked carefully. But having a big idea about you that can be deployed conversationally is absolutely groundbreaking. The interviewer absolutely gets what you're all about if you do this well. So yeah, I said at the beginning I would talk about that feeling you get when you feel hopeless when you're out of work. And it's totally understandable. And as I said, I've been there myself. It was a fair few years ago now before I started down the road of uh, self-employment and having my own business businesses over the years. But that feeling of hopelessness, well, here's a, a simple step that I've used with some clients to help them gain some positive momentum for themselves. And it might work for you. It's maybe worth a try. So here's what you do. You, you take a few minutes, maybe five minutes a day, and you reach out to people in your network or, or out with what you might think of as your work network, and you ask them how they're doing. And you keep it really simple, okay? You know, example being, long time no speak, Steve. How's lockdown been for you? All the best, Ben. You know, you keep it really simple. It's asking about them. You keep it simple. You don't be negative. You ask after them and you do not, I repeat, you must not mention needing a job at this point because that is going to come across as needy. Now, I know you need a job, okay? But it's really important that you don't. It has to be about them and seeing how they are. So if and when they reply, and hopefully they will, and they'll ask how you are, then you can give them the news that you're currently searching for a role, but maybe mix it in with some other more positive or banter-like chat. But this simple act of reaching out and reconnecting with people, it's going to give you, it's going to start to give you a sense of momentum, and it often ends up generating some really positive conversations, which may or may not lead to a role, but will give you that positive momentum and communication momentum, especially if you end up in a phone conversation with an old friend or a relative you haven't spoken to for ages. So if you need help to come up with that initial list of people who you're going to message for five or ten minutes a day, use the frog. The frog is, F stands for friends, the R stands for relatives, the O stands for occupation, in other words, people from previous jobs that you've worked in over the years, and the G stands for geographical, meaning your neighbours or people that are in a, the close uh, proximity to you or maybe that were previous neighbours. So just generate a list using the frog, friends, relatives, occupation, and geographical, and just start working through it, five minutes a day. Message them, WhatsApp them, you know, if you're brave, you could call them. Uh, you know, that just depends in this modern era. A lot of people don't seem to like taking phone calls, but maybe they'll be pleasantly surprised by one. But yeah, you, you mustn't get sad or angry if not everyone replies, or hardly anyone replies, because remember... People are busy. They've got their own challenges. Some of them might be out of work and you don't even know it. It's often not reflected on social media. People hide this th this stuff sometimes. But yeah, it will hopefully give you a sense of uh, getting some momentum. And it really will give you momentum in terms of communicating with people and being outward looking and asking about them. And that gets you in the headspace of thinking about the value you can add to others. And that really is one of the secrets to getting a role. I know it feels like I need a job, but... What do they need? What does the organization need that you're reaching out to? Okay, hope that helps and um, hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. If you've got any feedback for me on the tips or you'd like to leave a review on the podcast here on, well, 
don't know where you're listening, do I? iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to the show, that would be greatly appreciated. Remember, my friend, your silence definitely isn't golden when you're looking for a job, but your freedom, your freedom to get out there and communicate with people, that is. So use it. I'll see you next time.